Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Today's topic is the performance review, an issue sometimes hotly debated. Some organizations still believe in yearly reviews, others on informal discussions, and still others believe that there should be no reviews at all. Today's guest is an expert on performance reviews. We are pleased to have Sheen Metcalf, co-founder and chief culture officer at 15.5. Sheen is a seasoned executive coach and speaker who is obsessed with building healthy organizations and creating the opportunity for people to have meaningful work and meaningful relationships. Driven by his deep belief in the potential of our species, Shane co-founded 15.5, industry-leading performance management software that is unlocking the potential of the global workforce. As chief culture officer, Shane understands what fundamentally motivates people, how to achieve high performance, and which principles and rituals create self-organizing cultures. Shane, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We're very excited to have you. James, it is my pleasure. Very excited to talk about something that I really hold dear in my heart, which is the more powerful one-on-ones. Right. And you guys just did some research uh, on that, uh, which showed that 50% of employees uh, that have very productive one-on-ones plan to stay at their organization for five or more years. How significant is that? Well, it's only significant if you want your employees to stay longer than one or two years. You know, the average tenure in tech companies these days is 18 months. And it's pretty remarkable when you think about that because, you know, somebody is not really ramped up and fully contributing for, you know, four to six months into the role. And so if they're only staying for, uh, you know, 18 months, you get maybe a year of full productivity out of them. And it's probably less because, Somebody will usually be making the emotional internal decision to leave the company long before they actually give notice. And when somebody's made that decision, we know how that is. Performance goes down. You have one foot out the door. You're not fully committed. And so we're looking at a very small amount of actual productive value that employees are contributing when we're in this model of staying for 18 months. So anything that we can do to be thinking about how do we influence people and inspire them to stay at our companies for a longer period of time is an extremely valuable effort that we should all be paying attention to. And that is an incredibly short lifespan for an employee. You mentioned it was in the in the tech sector, but I think other other industries are seeing maybe not quite short stay as short of stays, but they are seeing pretty short stays. Yeah. And yeah, you know, especially, you know, one metric that I think every company should be tracking is something called ELTV, which is uh, employee lifetime value. You know, we always track customer lifetime value, but starting to actually measure what is the employee lifetime value of our people, of how long do they stay and how much value do they contribute over that time? And it's a, you know, a factor that when you start to measure, you start to ask the question, well, how can we influence this? And we know that if you get culture right, if you get management right, you are going to dramatically increase your ELTV. You know, because we, 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 everybody knows the saying, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. And so 
that is one of the highest leverage point is how can you get your managers to be better managers and ultimately you know our whole frame of thinking around that at 155 is that if you shift your thinking from how do i manage people so that i can get a lot of value and extract value from my people and you switch from that frame you know and, and that also goes along with this idea of of human resources hr something that we've been calling the sector of people management inside of companies for decades and decades and it creates this mentality of human beings are resources and i'm going to extract value and then when we're finished we kind of throw them away they're they're done in the company if you can shift your thinking from that of hr to one of seeing people as potential to be unlocked you're going to change everything because then your focus is going to be how do i help my people be and become their best selves and everything changes when you start thinking like that yeah we've been seeing this shift a, a lot and it's exciting that so many organizations are getting on board uh, but there's obviously a lot of work left to do you mentioned organizational culture um what role do these one-on-ones have in in organizational culture? Yeah, I'd say that one-on-ones have probably the biggest slice of the pie in terms of building, establishing, and reinforcing a company's culture. Because you could have a really great culture that's on the, on the universal level where the founders are doing the right things, there's good company values, there's great culture, people generally are interacting with a level of respect and competence. And then you have a manager who belittles you, who doesn't actually pay attention to what's happening in your life, doesn't care for you personally, doesn't offer you any valuable coaching of how to get from where you are to where you want and need to be. And if you have that scenario, it'll be this really painful disconnect because you look around and there's it seems like the company should be so amazing, and yet your actual experience is falling short of that because your manager isn't showing up. And the easiest way for a manager to show up is to have regular one-on-ones with their people and follow some simple guidelines that are gonna make that one-on-one much more effective than the average meeting. I'm sure we'll get into some of those guidelines, but you know, like a lot of these ideas for making making culture better, um, companies have to be prepared to deal with what they uncover, right? So. In your experience, how well prepared are organizations to field employee concerns, uh, you know, in these one-on-ones when they start voicing if they're overwhelmed or they're unhappy? It's not just enough to put two people in a room, is it? it? It's a really, you can't start anywhere else because, listen, communication is one of the most magical and powerful technologies that we humans have. The ability to express our needs and wants and frustrations and be listened and heard in them is something that you cannot put a, a dollar amount on. You know, yes, you have to do something with feedback. Yes, you don't want to just start asking people what's going well and what what's not going well. How would you change things and then not do anything with what insights that you get? But you have to start with asking and actually listening to people. Because human beings want two things. We want to be, I mean, I mean, we want a lot of things, but you know, I, I like to think of, of a simplistic equation here is that we want to feel seen, 
and we want to feel like we belong. And when, we, when we're seen and we, when we feel like we belong, that's really when people are going to stick around. That's when people are going to have unprecedented levels of psychological safety. And it doesn't even, it's, yes, it's important that we take action on what we're hearing when we start creating a culture of feedback. But it's equally important that we allow people to express themselves and to just be witnessed in the things that are they're struggling with or their ideas, because then they're a part of the equation. That's the groundwork where we need to start thinking about our one-on-ones is, can I actually have this person feel seen for the work they're doing? Can they, can I support them and think of myself as less of a task manager and more of a coach, more of a guide? That is really where you're going to start having your one-on-ones become something that's shifting out of transactional management and into transformational management. You mentioned some guidelines for helping make sure that one-on-ones are going to be productive. Um, Do you mind sharing those with me? Yeah, sure. So one-on-ones should not be a check-in. You should be doing an asynchronous check-in where you're getting the, 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 let's call it the nuts and bolts, the facts of somebody's work life on the table. So do an asynchronous check-in where you get the things of what's not going well, where are you stuck, what is going well, what wins are you celebrating, how are you tracking on your objectives. If you can gather all of that data before you ha- sit down and you meet in person, all of a sudden you go from a, a pretty kind of mundane check-in around the work and you can move into a coaching session around and go deeper into the meat of what somebody is either struggling with or providing them with coaching and guidance around how to achieve the next level of excellence in their role. So do an asynchronous check-in. You can use a tool like we built at 15.5. You can use Google Docs. You can use email. Set it up so that it's automatic and that people answer a couple of basic questions about their week and about their, their work. You can then use that as the one-on-one agenda where, you know, because one of my, one of my favorite quotes is, a problem well stated is half solved. Hmm. So if you can get your people to articulate their problems, write them down, you you get to go into that one-on-one and immediately start coaching and helping them clear the roadblocks in their way. You know, one of my favorite ideas of, of the role of a manager is to help the people that you're managing get their next job. And... You do that by helping them achieve excellence in their role. You do that by helping build a deep level of trust and rapport with that person so that they will they will actually trust you to tell them the truth. And then you start to be able to say, hey, this is where I see you really strong at, and these are your strengths. And these are the places where I don't think we should be trying to focus your development. But that's actually, that's doubled down on what's going really well. And let's get you out of that, the, the tasks that you should, you have no business doing. You know, that's the kind of thing that a really good one-on-one can reveal. What happens when an organization has made the decision to start implementing one-on-ones, but maybe their managers don't have the power to make 
the kinds of changes um, or implement the kinds of kinds of solutions to you know the the concerns that they're hearing. Yeah, well, listen, it's always going to be better if you start to have a conversation about this. And I think that sometimes managers feel like, oh, I got feedback, and so that means that I have to act on the feedback. Now, sometimes that's true. But if you, if, if I as a manager, if I meet with my team and they say, hey, you know, we feel like, you know, so-and-so isn't fair and we want to change this policy. And I say, okay, thanks for sharing. Let me go have some conversations. And if I don't actually have the power and influence to do that, then what I need to do is I need to go and be transparent with my team of saying, look, this is the, these are the current limitations. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. But again, all it is is communication. It's actually uh, engaging in the dialogue around how can we actually fulfill our purpose as a company and create a great environment for all of us to work in. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything that people ask. But if you, if you also, on the other end of the spectrum, if you never ask for what you want, if you as an employee and as an individual contributor don't say, hey, I think that we could do a better job at this, then you, you have no business complaining that it hasn't happened. You know, we need to take accountability, 100% accountability for creating the experience at work that we want to have. And often people think and presume, oh, you know, management would never go for this. You don't know that until you try. You don't, you don't know if you can get what you want until you ask for what you want. And so I'm a big believer that organizations are a lot more receptive to how to do things better, especially from the perspective of frontline employees and, you know, mid-level managers than most people would presume. But we need to create a culture where it's okay to ask, it's okay to say no, and it's also okay to make changes. That's really great advice. Um, do you, to what extent do you think that a one-on-one -on -one is a silver bullet for improving company culture? Well, listen, not all one-on-ones are created equal. You can have a crappy, awkward, time-wasting one-on-one. And I think probably most people do. Most people probably, that's their association. It's like, what am I doing? You know, managers are often relieved when one-on-ones get canceled because they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and, and so you really need to start thinking about how do we elevate, how do we not just implement one-on-ones, but how do we ensure the, a higher quality of conversation inside of that one-on-one? -on -one? And that's where organizations really need to be providing some templates for their one-on-one -on -one, saying, hey, these are the topics that we want you to be covering. You know, the one-on-ones should never be only about holding individual contributors accountable for tasks. You should make sure that you're covering conversations around career development. You know, what? how happy are you in this role? Where do you want to be in six months? What do you want to be able to do in a year that you can't do now? Do you feel like there's Anything else at the company that you would want to contribute to? Where do you see yourself in three years? How can we as a company be a vehicle for you to realize your dreams? Those are the conversations that can make a one-on-one -on -one really hum with power. Because you're not saying, hey, I'm your boss. You're working for me. 
and I'm going to make you report to me and then yell at you if you do something wrong. It's really more of saying, hey, this one-on-one is for you. I, I actually, as your boss, I'm the one working for you. And so what do you need to be more successful at this company? That's going to really make your one-on-ones powerful. You know, uh, a lot of organizations um, have sort of seen the writing on the wall and uh, changed the way they do performance reviews. But there's still a lot of organizations out there that do an annual performance review and do merit-based increases. And, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that that's not necessarily the best method. Um, What advice would you have for an HR professional that's struggling to get their leadership to acknowledge that maybe they should make some changes. Do you want to shift it out of this idea that we can manage performance once a year and also the idea that you can even manage performance? You know, we believe that performance is a byproduct of other factors. It's not the root cause. Performance is not a root cause of performance. Other things like psychological safety, like strengths alignment, like being in the right role, like, you know, uh, having a, a a team and a boss and a culture that nourishes people at the root, which is around things of, you know, it's not just we care about, we don't just care about your professional development. We actually care about your personal development as well. And it actually, uh, you know, big revelation, personal development is professional development and professional development is personal development. And so when you create an organization where everybody is is learning and growing every day rather than once a quarter or once a year at a company offsite or when you're working with a coach, but you bake in development into your everyday workflow, into your weekly check-ins, into your quarterly reviews, that's when you can start to shed the antiquated layer of an annual performance review because performance management is happening on a regular ongoing basis. And you can still have an annual compensation review, you know, things like that, but you really want to shift the conversation away from your performance and your compensation because what happens inside of that model is that all of the the gems of developmental conversations get thrown out because everybody's just concerned about, am I getting a raise? Am I getting fired? Am I getting demoted? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a couple other issues that I've seen with it, which is, you know, someone could have eight months of great performance and then, you know, something happened, you know, uh, a family member died or they're having an issue and now they're being reviewed right after all their all their problems yeah it's the recency bias right you know this is well documented in the social science and the neuroscience now is that we mostly pay attention to what happened in the last two months and so that's like you know it's atrocious that we're judging everybody's annual performance based on one little slice of data that's heavily biased towards the recency yeah, and then the other concern, you know, you mentioned this the pace of turnover. If it was an eighteen month life cycle, if you if someone comes in after you know three months into a performance year, you know, so then nine months go by, they give one performance review, then they start struggling and they're out the door before you even get a chance to have another one. Yeah, and and you're you are then failing to deliver 
on what I think is the intended positive outcome of a performance review, which is to increase performance, get a measure of how is this person doing relative to what is the defined, uh, what is defined as excellence in that role. And, you know, I mean, shit, man, most companies don't even have what is defined excellence in a role. Most job descriptions are so inaccurate as to the reality of the role that is being performed. That's why investing in really good job descriptions that are actually going to be used to, to you know, give a marker around what, what great performance looks like in that role. And most companies don't even have that. And so that's a great place to start is, what, is defining excellence in the role and then creating agreements with the per- people in those roles that this is what we are striving towards. This is what we will be measured against. And not just saying, not just having it as a one-way conversation, but actually getting buy-in, actually getting an agreement from those people of saying, yes, I sign, I'm signing up for this. How do you think that uh, managers can learn to be more coach-like? Yeah, it's quite easy. Study coaching. Pick up a book on coaching. Go take some coaching classes. You know, I think that really what we're looking at is that the the future is that managers are going to become coaches. And we, we don't need to wait five years for this. If you want to be a cutting edge manager, start learning some of the basic coaching skills. There's a lot of great programs out there. We're actually working on some programs ourselves to teach the basics of how to have managers think like a coach. And one of the easiest ways to do this is to start asking more questions. Really good coaches ask questions and let people discover the answers for themselves. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, is more Yoda, less Superman. And that's a credit to Jonathan Raymond, uh, author of Good Authority. But, you know, don't just immediately jump in and solve your people's problems. You know, if you know the answer, use a line of inquiry to help that person arrive at the answer for themselves. You're, you might not feel as immediately good about yourself because, you know, you're not, you're not Superman swoop, swooping in and saving the day. But you're actually using a problem that that person's facing as an opportunity to coach them into greater development and they become more resourceful. They become more competent in that process. Well, Shane, I think that uh, this has been great. I think it'll be of a lot of value to our readers, our yeah, listeners. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, James. And again, I think that one-on-ones are one of the most valuable and probably underrated assets that we all have in our companies. And another one piece of advice is don't cancel them. Mm. Keep the one-on-ones on your calendar and don't look at those as the meetings that are the first to go when scheduling gets a little tricky. Really treat them as sacred. Treat them as something that you are going to show up for. You are going to make the orientation of that one-on-one of how can I help this person be more successful in all areas of their life? And that is going to really change the day everything. That's really good advice. Um, it was something I was thinking about while we were talking is, yeah, how you feel when those get canceled is that they're, that you're not important. Yeah. It's a, especially if it happens again and again. Absolutely. Well, thank you, um, for, for taking the time to join us today, Shane. 
Thanks so much, James. Absolutely. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. Uh, if with any thoughts or ideas, or if you just want to say hi, this is Jim Davis with HR Works. <laughs>